Amen, amen. Thank you, team. You know, Christmas time, it's always a time when sort of avalanche of memories flood our minds. And some, of course, have wonderful memories, and they kind of delight themselves and relive those memories. But there are others who have painful memories. And um, that Christmas time seemed to revive whatever pain associated with this holy season. Even though Christmas is a time of rejoicing and of giving thanks to God for sending His one and only Son, not only just to live but to die on a cross and rise again. But nonetheless, we've turned the joyous occasion into whatever really we make of it. But but you know what? This is really not new. It's not new. Sadly, this is the way human nature is. Um, From the very beginning, from the very beginning, we read of how God's people turned the memories of great events, great events of God's personal, supernatural intervention, uh, turn great events of, of, of God doing things that are impossible for them to do, and yet they turn them into whatever they want to make them to be. I'm going to say more about this in a minute, but you need to remember that our memory banks is God's great gift to us. God's awesome gift to us. But we, what we make of it is really what's important, is what counts. Uh, I've read considerable number of research about the mind and the memories, and, because I've always been interested in the subject, and I've read some how research has shown that our, our, our modern obsession with uh, photo albums and videos and all these wonderful things that within great inventions, but what these things have done is they contributed to the weakening, weakening of what was once absolutely powerful memory uh, in past generations. Uh, memory, bank that is capable of storing vast amount of information. Now, most of these researchers have concluded that trusting our memories in these, to these photos and the photo albums and the videos and, and all of those <laughs> wonderful inventions has made us less inclined to store these memories in our memory banks. I remember a few years ago, one of our grandchildren was handed a picture, a, a paper picture. You know, we would <laughs> see paper picture. It was a, 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 just a picture. Uh, he was two years old, and the first thing he did is started flipping through it. <laughs> it was just, he's so used to seeing things in, on, on the iPhone that he's flipping through the pictures. And what, see what's next? <laughs> now, here's a fact. Our memory is one of God's most awesome gifts that He has given us as human being in His creation. We were created with an astonishing capacity to store millions of bits of information. Uh, this information, data, 
is, is, is in perfect order, and, and it's always there uh, to be recalled as needed. In truth, the more they learn about the human brain, the more they discovered <laughs> or realize uh, that God made us to be able to store literally in, in our memory capacity s- stuff that would fill several million copies of, of a book, uh, the kind of capacity that makes computer stor- storage to be insignificant. And yet, the best among us, we are told, use the tiniest, tiniest percentage of our brain capacity and memory. But human brain is also capable of deliberately forgetting. Now, there are some people who are blessed of God, uh, are able to forget, especially unpleasant experiences. I know some of them. I'm not one of them. In many ways, I prayed for that one time. Others have the ability to never forget a thing, not a blessed thing, (laughs) especially unpleasant experiences. And I know some of those too, including myself. You know, we often joke about old age and forgetfulness, and I'm going to disabuse you of that in a minute. (laughs) Listen, I've been on this side, now I'm on this side, so I can speak freely. (laughs) See, most of these things about old age, memory of old age, is is absolutely inaccurate. It's not true. Let me give you an example. If you have a young person who constantly forgetting his keys or forgetting… I remember a teenager one time was forgetting to take his books to school. I mean, when we see a young person forgetful all the time, forgetting stuff, we say, ah, he's just forgetful, and we laugh it off. But if an older person forgets where he placed his keys, he says, oh, it's old age. It's not true. (laughs) For most of us, young or old, listen to me, most of us, young or old, we'd always remember that which is important to us. Always. A a businessman might forget a a Bible study or a prayer meeting or this meeting or that meeting and never forget the closing day for a lucrative multi-million dollar deal. He's ready there hours ahead of time. Now, sometimes older people bring this on themselves. Uh, they really do. Uh, and they say, I don't remember like I used to. I don't remember like I used to. I don't want you ever to say that. That's a sin. Don't say that. I'll tell you what I do. Uh, because that's self-fulfilled prophecy. I tell people, now that I'm older, I've got a lot more files in the cabinet. <laughs> a lot more files. And if it takes me a little bit longer to go through the files, it's because i got more files than the younger guys. <laughs> Try it. It will work. I was thinking of old age and thought of this grandfather whose grandson was asking him, and you know grandchildren can ask you the most amazing questions. That's all I can call them, amazing. This grandson was asking his grandfather, he said, Grandpa, do you remember your first kiss? Your grandfather said, son, I don't even remember my last kiss. <laughs> they say amazing things. Well, now, if you're not suffering through illness, and I take that very seriously. I lived with people. I live with people. I know that illnesses can affect the memory capacity. I know that. 
Uh, I, I, want to, I want to say this is very, very serious. In fact, sometimes also undue stress can affect our memory. But other than that, and I'm talking generally now, I'm speaking generally, we remember that which is important to us, all of us. Sadly, a lot of people forget the most important thing of all, namely God and His past intervention in their life. They forget that, the most important thing. And that's precisely why one of the most used word in the Scripture, both Old and New Testament, is the word remember. 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 It's the most used. I don't know if anybody counted them, but I'm sure there are thousands of times in the Scripture. Remember, remember, remember. See, how many times do we hear God's own broken heart over those who have easily forgotten His past blessings, those who easily forget the, His past mercies, those who have easily forgotten His past supernatural interventions in their life, who easily forget the, God's past favor, who easily forget God's past blessings, who easily forget uh, God's past gracious acts that He given us, how easily forget God's answers to prayer. And they said, yeah, well, what has He done for me lately? Now, I don't know how many times the Scripture, as I said, both Old and New Testament, you hear the disappointment in the voice of God. As I read the Bible every year, I, I just am amazed how many times there's a deep this, but even, even in, the, in the Lord Jesus Christ's own uh, earthly ministry, in Luke chapter 17, you can hear the voice of disappointment, the, the heart of disappointment in His voice when uh, ten lepers were beseeching Him, heal us, heal us, and He supernaturally heals them. Nine were Jewish, so they know the covenant. They know the relationship with God. They know the Scripture. One was half Gentile, Samaritan. One. And he healed all ten of them. Only the Samaritan, the non-Jew, came back to Jesus, not just say thank you or a, 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 a lip service, but he was thanking him with the same intensity by which he was praying for healing. Beloved, listen to me. If we thank God with the same intensity by which we ask, we will have a revival. And you, and, and you see that in, in seven, Luke 17, 17. You, you, you hear the depth of the disappointment on the part of Jesus when He said, and I quote, "'Were not ten healed? How come? <laughs> How come?' Only the Samaritan gave glory to God for his healing. I have no doubt that our Lord was using this as a great teachable moment for the disciples. No doubt our Lord was using this opportunity when he saw only the Samaritan came with the same intensity to give thanks and praise God for his healing. And he wanted to teach the disciples to remember to be grateful and thankful and to remember God's gracious acts of the past and bless him. 
But even the people of Israel, the people of Israel, uh, uh, when they entered the promised land, you know, here's the thing that boggles my mind. Had God not warned them ahead of time, you would say, well, you know, you just cut them a slack, right? Give them a slack. Just give them an excuse. But how many times has God warned them in, in Leviticus and in, in, in Exodus and, and in Deuteronomy particularly, how many times He warned them? He said, when you go into the promised land, when you prosper, you're going to forget me. <laughs> and right on schedule, as soon as they get into the promised land, what happened? They forgot God. Now, it didn't mean that they, they had an amnesia. Were they, oh, who, what, where? No, 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 no. Oh, they remembered God, all right. They, they remembered Yahweh on Saturday and on high and holy days. But the rest of the time, they were, they were thinking of Baal, the fertility God, Ashton, Ashtaroth. You see, they thought of Yahweh on occasions. They only thought of Yahweh uh, when they got into trouble. They thought of Yahweh. So that they forgot Him altogether. They thought of Yahweh. Every time they were desperate, and they back to the wall, didn't know what to do, where to go, and to go to Yahweh. They remembered Yahweh when Baal and Ashtar and Ashtaroth failed them, and they knew only Yahweh could deliver them. You see it clearly in the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, God would send them judge after that, by the way, it doesn't mean judge like somebody sits on the bench. In the, when you talk about the book of Judges, these were deliverers that God raised, what, ten? Nine times at least, I know. Nine times. They get into deep trouble. They cry to God. He sent them a judge to, to deliver them. And that's why the Bible said, remember, remember, remember. And finally, when prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet kept saying him, remember, 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 when they refused to remember, finally, God's patience ran out. Enough was enough. And he sent them barbarians who came and swept their land and took them captives to Babylon. Listen to me, beloved. Listen to me. Some of you know this. For nearly 45 years, I've been writing about the barbarians who are here in our midst. Read my books. I've written about them for 45 years. And those barbarians now, they are uh, politicians, not only in this country, but all over Europe. These barbarians now are holding government officials. They are government officials. And so, beloved, let me tell you this. The reason why God has prospered us in the past simply because we have taken the gospel to the ends of the earth. But now our focus has shifted. It's about us. What have you done for us lately? And when we keep on marginalizing God and the gospel of His Son Jesus, the barbarians are ready to take over. But at least for now, God is saying, remember, 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 remember. But the time will come when God says, enough is enough. I grieve over that. As we in the West keep on drifting away from God 
as we keep on marginalizing God, as we keep on pushing God to the edges of our culture, as we only get warm and fuzzy feelings around Christmas time, as we pursue our pleasure above all else, certainly above God's Word, the barbarians who are already here will take control. The very reason why God established the feasts and the festivals of Passover and Sabbath and all that, God wasn't trying to ruin their fun. No, no. He was establishing these events and these times so that they would permanently remember of God's gracious past acts in their lives with their ancestors and with them. Oh, but alas, these festivals become all about them. Oh, they become about them. Empty celebrations, they lost the meaning. And the reason our Lord Jesus Christ did not want His believers in the New Testament church to fall in the same trap as Israel, He established the Lord's Supper as a permanent reminder of the colossal cost that cost Him to go to that cross to die for you and you and you and you and you and me. And yet some churches go through the rituals. Some of them do it every day, several times a day. They lost the meaning. Others don't remember or celebrate altogether. Question, why did God have to remind them and us all the time, all the time? Answer, because recalling the memories of God's redeeming grace generates hope for the future. Because recalling past interventions deepens our love for the Lord. Because recalling past blessings heals us from the illness of not growing in our love for Jesus. Now, in the past several messages, for those of you who are visiting today or a guest, we have been going through the Shammah. Can you say that with me? The Shammah is the word here in Hebrew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your, your heart, soul, and mind. We've been going through all that in the last several weeks. And today I'm going to conclude this series of six messages on how to love the Lord with your memory. How to love the Lord with your memory. Because our memory literally helps us sum up all the other three. All the other three, heart, soul, and mind. Because our memory helps us to deepen our love for Jesus. I left it all the way to the end. Now, I want to show you from the Word of God. I'm not clever enough to know how to do this. <laughs> so I go to the Word of God. So if you turn with me to Psalm 46, uh, 42, forgive me, Psalm 42. And uh, if you don't have your own Bible, an iPhone or whatever, you can grab one in the seat in front of you, and it's uh, page 881, page 881 in the Pew Bible. Grab it. Have it in front of you if you don't have it, you didn't bring your own Bible. I don't know where it would be on your phone or 
iPad or whatever you brought with you. <laughs> Even though I'm only going to focus on three verses very quickly, only three verses, but I want us to stand up and read the entire psalm. It's not a very long psalm. It's a short psalm. So if you stand and read, I'm going to read the first verse as I often do and let you read the rest of it so that you let the Word of God sink deeply. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Amen. Father, would you allow your word that authored by your spirit and the spirit, same spirit who dwells in us, take those words, apply them to our hearts today. And so regardless whether we have fond memories or sad memories of this holy season, that we walk out of here on top of the world, for we pray this in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. Psalm 42, Psalm 42 is one of the greatest examples of how when do you do not remember God's grace and mercy in the past, it can lead you to discouragement, and I even venture to say it can lead you to depression. Psalm 42 is a great tool in helping us to grow deeper in our love for the Lord, with our memory. Psalm 42 is a great example of how loving God with our memory inspires us, and it really pulls us out of fear into faith. Look with me specifically. Those are the three verses I want to focus on today, 4, 5, and 6. Verse 4, these things I remember… These things what? Underline I remember in your Bibles. Just underline it and put an asterisk. (laughs) Just mark it. So every time you go back to the Scripture, this thing comes screaming at you. 
these things I remember as I pour out my soul. What does the psalmist remember? Listen, he tells us, I'm not telling you, he tells us how I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with the shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festival throngs. Then he goes on from remembering these glorious things and the glorious events and the great intervention and the great experience with God. He goes from that remembrance, the importance of memory, and then he speaks to himself. He speaks to himself. Have you ever talked to yourself? Don't kid yourself, we all do. (laughs) Actually, we self-talk much faster than we speak or even read. We all self-talk. So be extremely careful what you say to yourself. What you say to yourself. If you beat yourself up all the time, you basically focusing on your pride, not on God's mercy and grace. And so he talks to himself, self, <laughs> that's what he's doing. <laughs> he said, self, why are you downcast, my soul? And why have you become so disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Verse 6, he's a Yusuf interpretation of verse 6. My soul is downright discouraged right now. That's what he's saying. My soul is downright discouraged, and my soul is downright depressed. And therefore, you do what? Remember. Therefore, remember. Underline it again in, in your Bible in verse 6. I remember, remember. He says, I remember you. I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Mount Hermon and Mount Miser. What is he saying? Listen to me, please. Only the memory of God's past faithfulness can pull us into future hope. Only remembering God's past interventions in my life and in your life will lead me toward the renewal of my passion for Jesus, my love for Jesus, and that I would grow in that love for Jesus. Only recalling God's past blessings can propel me ahead and renew my love for Him. I have two things I want you to focus with me very quickly. They're not going to take a lot of time, but just very briefly. And if you're taking notes, write them down. In these three verses, he tells us two things, two things. I I love summarizing things because I know there are uh, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds in this church who are taking notice. So I, I, I love to summarize things. The first thing he's saying is that when you're down and discouraged, when you're down in the dumps, it is because you have forgotten. And the second thing he's telling us is that when you are experiencing deliverance and dominion, it's because you remembered. Okay, very simple, right? Very simple. Some of you looking at me like I'm talking another language. It's very simple, right? Here's how I'll make it even simpler. Down you forget. Up you remember. Let's say them together. See, it's very simple. First, when you are down, defeated, and discouraged, is because you have forgotten. 
whether your forgetfulness is intentional or not, it doesn't really matter. Whether your forgetfulness is by design or not, it doesn't really matter. Uh, what really matters is that you retrace your steps, retrace your steps, and find out where have you come to this forgetting experience. Go back in your memory bank and remember what caused your trouble. Uh, you, w w when you do that, you're going to run smack into the fact that you have forgotten God's past intervention in your life. You're going to run smack into it. Remember the very reason why I started this whole series of sex messages? Some of you will. Some of you who are not here might not remember. But what got us started this whole series, it was the letters of Jesus in the book of Revelation to the churches, and more specifically to the church of Ephesus in the city of Ephesus, a church that was vibrant, a church that was alive, church that was active, church that was involved, and yet the Lord Jesus says, I have one thing against you, and you have forgotten your first love. Wow. And that really what reminded me at that time that after the series, I need to do something about how not just to fall in love with Jesus, not just to stay in love with Jesus, but to grow in your love for Jesus. And this is the whole impetus behind us, six messages. You also remember back then when we looked at the letter to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2.5, Revelation 2.5, when he said to them, I have this one thing against you. You've lost your first love. He also gives them the cure. He gives them the cure. He said, remember from where you have fallen. Remember where you have fallen. See, he's remember again. And that's the beginning of the cure. Remembering, retracing your steps. That's the beginning of the healing. That's the beginning of the renewed love for, for the Lord. That's the beginning of a new and greater blessing in your life like you've never experienced before. Retrace your steps. Retrace your steps. Find out, how did you get there? How did you get there? Let your memory do the walking. Go back to where your trouble began. And oh, by the way, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Don't gloss over. Uh, evangelicals have an amazing way of being able to gloss over the real reason as to why the love for the Lord has cooled off. Examine your memory bank. <laughs> Audit your memory accounts. Please hear me right. This is really important. Sin has a is a great deceiver. Sin is a great deceiver. And I, I, I'm telling you, none of us who have experienced it have fallen in sin without realizing how deceptive sin is. It's so deceptive. But particularly in the times when we are spiritually weak, we're all more than happy to comply with that deception. We would rather convince ourselves that we are just fine. It's really not our fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's my upbringing. It's my father. It's my mother-in-law. It's, it's somebody else's fault. It's the government fault. Man, have you ever heard 
I, I certainly haven't in, in the 73 years. More victimization than we're seeing in this time, in this culture. It's not my fault. Somebody else's fault. Hey, when are you going to take responsibility? Why am I saying this? Beloved, listen to me. Because we are reluctant to face up to the fact, and face up to the fact that our love for Jesus has cooled off, that our love for Jesus became frosted, that our love for Jesus has been lost in the shuffle of life and even sometimes in the prosperity that He gives us. We are often hesitant to admit that it is easier to just enjoy life than confront our spiritual failures. I know that. I know that. I'm still flesh and blood. (laughs) But until we face the reality that we do not love Jesus with all of our minds and all of our hearts and all of our soul, we cannot go any deeper with Him and loving Him more every day. I've come a full circle in this series. And so the second thing the psalmist tells us, Psalm 42, that the only hope for renewing our love for the Lord, the only hope, the only hope for growing deeper in our love for Jesus, our only hope in moving forward from one point of glory into another in our Christian walk, go back to your memory bank. Go back to your memory bank. Now, here's some, some things that you can take to the bank. Not your memory bank, but to the bank. The Bible never, 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 never points to a sin in our lives without pointing to the way of forgiveness of that sin. Some of these most popular preachers are running around saying, oh, I don't like to preach about sin because I want people to feel good about themselves. What they're doing, they're deceiving people. What is happening is that they're handing people Band-Aids. Well, Band-Aids might work for just a short period of time until next Sunday when they come looking for more Band-Aids. Be very careful of a preacher who draw you to himself. Only those who draw you to Jesus only who pointed you to the Word of God. And so they, they raise a whole generation of people that are dependent on their motivational speech. They cannot cure the problem. They, so they can keep, people can keep coming. But when the Bible points to a sin, listen to me, when the Bible points you to a sin, or a problem, that, a spiritual problem in our life, the Bible gives us the permanent solution to that sin and the problem. He gives us the permanent solution. The Bible never convicts us of something without showing us a permanent way to relieve that conviction. Why? Because our past memory is linked to our future hope because our past memory is linked to our future anticipation, because our past memories are linked to our vision for the future. And so, it's not just in looking back and remembering what an amazing thing God has done in the past 
It's not just in going back and remembering the amazing things that God has brought into our lives in the past, but also remembering that we can receive renewal. We can receive renewal for today, restoration for today, revival for today. And that is why I did not begin with loving God with your memory. That would not make sense. I'm concluding with it because it is vitally important. In fact, it sort of summarizes and and codifies all the other three. Now, beloved, I can testify to you. Whenever I testify to you, I'm testifying to my weaknesses. We just ran into one of our members a few couple of days ago, and she reminded me, I often say, there's nothing good in me except Jesus. And it's the absolute truth. And so when I testify, I'm testifying to His glory and to His majesty and to His amazing grace. I can testify to you that I do this on a regular basis, sometimes on a daily basis, but I'm going to say regularly in case I miss one day. So, but I do this in my prayer time on a regular basis. I begin to remind myself that if I was the only human being on the face of the earth, Jesus would have died for me. I remind myself, and I think of how the pastor of my parents' church, uh, through vision, came and literally saved me from being murdered in my mother's womb. Then I think of the moment when I surrendered my life to Christ and felt that all the burden of sin that I was carrying and the guilt has been set set free. I, I, I remember that night like yesterday, even though it is 55 years ago. I remember the joy of my salvation. I was happy if I died that night. I was going to die a happy, joyful man. Then I remember in 1968 when I was delivered from Satan's deception. And I think of the time when I cried to him for mercy that nobody could have helped but him, and I received mercy. Then I think of the two times that I looked to death in the eye. I literally was moments away from death, and he saved me. Then I think of the time when I had typhoid at the age of 16, uh, and I had uh, uh, hepatitis at the age of 17. And both times, even though a year apart, the same doctor said, he's strong, but he ain't going to make it. And I remember that. Here I am. Here I am. Then I think of the time when our eldest, at the age of 15, was hovering between life and death at the IC unit at Scottish Rite. In fact, I will never forget the first person showed on the scene was Roy Ludwig. Some of you remember Roy. We named the chapel, prayer chapel after him, great Bible teacher. He showed up because his office was next door, and he was the first one to come. And, and the, he looked me in the eye, and he said, these are the times when you begin to practice what you've been preaching. <laughs> now, those of you who knew Roy Ludwig and loved him like I have, he was, you could never accuse him of being a soft touch. <laughs> his family would tell you that. But God intervened and healed her. 
I think of the times when I stood all alone, literally alone. I, I, I stood alone, and I'm convinced, I was convinced back then that if I die, nobody will find out for, for days to come. Uh, but he stood beside me. I think of the times when I interceded on behalf of many others, and God answered those prayers. Then I think of the times when I did not know which way to turn, and He shone His light, and He showed me the way. Beloved, this is just 1% of what I go through on a regular basis, loving Jesus with my memory. And some people ask me, what do you do praying for more than an hour or an hour or more? <laughs> an hour is not long enough. By the time I remember all of that God has done in the past, I want to go out and conquer the world. <laughs> and that is why the psalmist is saying, and here's a Yusuf interpretation again. He's saying to himself with Saul, he said, my soul, you have no right to being so discouraged. You have no right to be down in the dumps like this. Remember what God did. Remember, remember, remember. Say that with me three times. And when you grow deeply in love with Jesus through your memory, you will have renewal of hope. You have renewal of hope for the future, strength for the present. So let me ask you this as I'm coming to the end now. Let me ask you, only you can answer, and those of you watching around the world, you can answer that to yourself. Are you discouraged today? Are you discouraged today? Are you fearful today? Are you so bogged down with the pain that you're experiencing that you can't see straight? Are you anxious about your future? All I'm going to tell you is remember, remember, remember. Let's do it again. Remember to praise Him for past deliverance. Remember to praise Him for past intervention. Remember to praise Him for His past mercies. And say to yourself, self, my God who has delivered me before will deliver me again. My God who stood by me before, He's with me now. He never leaves me, nor forsake me. And so, my beloved friend, at the end of this series, I want to tell you, love Him with your mind, the seat of the intellect. Love Him with your heart, the totality of your being. Love Him with your soul, the imagination. Love Him with your memory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father God, you know in the secrets of our hearts, and you know that I never ever reach a point of smugness and say that I love you with all my heart. But I tell you, confess to you publicly, and I know that all of my brothers and sisters in Christ would do the same, that we want to love you more every day. 
We want to love you more with our hearts every day. We want to love you more with our souls and mind, with our hearts every day. We want to love you with our memories every day, more every day. And you're the only one who can strengthen us to do that. We thank you. We praise you. We adore you. We worship you. There is none like our God. To Him all glory, majesty, dominion, and power. Amen.